Welcome, beautiful soul. This is the BU Podcast, where you hear topics and guests that empowers and guide you on your journey to stay in the present, become healthy, authentic, loving, and abundant. Today's topic, inspire, empower, break the bias. The slogan and hashtag for this year's Women's Day is Break the Bias. But what is breaking the bias really means? Breaking the bias means to challenge existing norms. Norms that are so ingrained, we might not even normally call them into question. To me, breaking the bias means to start questioning the attitudes we hold and really shine a light on them. Awareness of the problem is the first step to change and that is something that we, male or female, can all develop a better sense of. What I really started thinking about is that the way we can help uh, each other is by sharing our stories. And by sharing our stories, we can empower others, regardless of gender, to show them a path that we already paved for ourselves. We can inspire and we can empower many people who we don't even know. Maybe they are different gender, maybe they are in a different type of business, maybe they live on the other side of the world. But there can be something, even a little tiny spark in our own stories, even in our troubles, that can inspire others to see that in themselves and give it a try. Because without trying, there can be no success. And when they hear that others go through the same process, and they are not afraid to take that first step, and they actually came out successfully on the other end of that tunnel, it empowers them. So I decided in the light of this that I wanted to interview a couple of women from a community I am in, the community of Constellation Network. Almost sure that most of my listeners know nothing about Constellation Network, and that's why I decided to actually choose that topic because I want more people to know about it. I want more people to know about what is truly behind the so-called Web3, what is truly behind crypto or blockchain or any of these words that we throw around daily and to see that it is something that you all can be part of regardless of your financial situation because the whole point this new Web3 decentralized dream that we are about to bring alive is that everybody can be included in it, regardless of your gender, regardless of your age, regardless of your where you live. We want to include everyone and to imagine a world when all the dreamers and all the creatives can feel home and realize that they are not alone. That it doesn't matter what field is that your passion is at. It's important to more than just you. And you can be a part of this emerging system. And we want to welcome you in it. As long as you live for your passion, as long as you work for it, and you put yourself out there, you can be heard and you can be embraced. One of my favorite quotes regarding this topic we are talking about today is from Ellen J. Barrier. She said, a strong woman builds her own word. And I so resonate with this because our word is how we make it to be. And the best visual I can give you if you have watched the movie Encanto, how grandma 
build that whole community around her dreams after a big trauma of losing her husband and raising those three children. She was a strong woman. Without further ado, I would like to welcome all of you with Malala Yousafzai School. So here I stand, one girl among many. Now we're talking. <laughs> it sounds like we have a volunteer. <laughs> so why didn't we start with you, Natalie? Tell our listeners something about yourself. I'm Natalie McCallmy. I'm the kind of person who requires many good reasons <laughs> and benefits before making changes. I cherish the relationships in my life. I went to school and graduated with my MCA in August last year. I'm still learning a lot about the linguistics of accounting every day in my current career. I am usually steady, easygoing, and relaxed, but I don't like to rock the boat or feel a sense of urgency, like some people may. Mm -hmm. I have always looked up to other people for support and guidance. I tend to fight for what I believe in and am persistent and persevering in my approach to achieve goals. How did you end up in the space? I mean, like generally in the crypto space or, or you know, at Constellation. <laughs> I hired a crypto mentor from Instagram who mm. is a Gematria expert, and he sent me the link the telegram channel of friends of wyatt and dag chad traders i just hopped in those and realized like this is a cool community there's some secrets going on here it's so interesting because i i got into crypto such a weird way i say it because i got into it like i always say i got into crypto from the financial point of view but the interesting mm -hmm. part about it is that person i i first heard about uh, crypto is uh, a doctor and so i was listening to his podcast because of health stuff and <laughs> and then you know he ended up talking about so many different topics and and one of them was crypto and i'm like what the hell is he talking about you know listening about how how is important is it to you know to get chiropractic care and do like parasite cleans and all that stuff and then i ended up with crypto I'm like what what is crypto like what is blockchain what is he even talking about and then you know time to time he started talking about certain projects as well and i'm like wow what are these and then i started reading about it and then so i got into the financial side of crypto you know like the iso coins and then from that point on i started listening to more and more people who directly onto this subject and ended up with constellation by listening to kevin cage like in 2020 I believe, but I didn't invest right away because the first thing you hear about constellation usually, usually that's the first thing you hear that they talk about the uh, government contracts, you know, like the DOD and the US Air Force. And I'm like, I'm not a fan of big government. So it's like, why would I want to invest in a, in a project that's, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what they do. But then once yeah. I understood and I, I opened my eyes <laughs> to the possibilities, I'm like, oh, wow, that's actually really good. And that's when I started investing in it. <laughs> I love gauging people's responses to the Department of Defense contract because I know that when I bring it up, it's going to initiate some sort of like knee-jerk response mm -hmm. from somebody. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I definitely don't bring it up. Um, at the beginning of conversation. Mm -hmm. I got the feeling that that's one of, like some people say, oh, we don't talk about the DOD and, and the US Air Force and all these governmental uh, entities because, you know, all the NDAs. But I got the feeling lately that it's not just that, but the reason we don't really talk about it and we try to talk about the other side of everything is exactly because 
we don't want to scare away the very people that would benefit the most by scaring them away with big central governmental figures. My deep dig started to find like what else is there. And then so when I start talking about it, I, I just start talking about why it's going to change everything, how the internet, when it came to be, was laughed at and it changed everything. Mm -hmm. And imagine everything connected into this new system and basically Constellation being the mother nature of blockchain by, you know, <laughs> connecting and unifying everything on it and run basically the internet on it. I love the differentiation between like private state channels and public state channels yep. or private versus public hyperdraft even yep. because that that's that's a different frame of mindset like what the government is doing is on the private level and is mm -hmm. secure and contracted and we'll probably never know what they're actually <laughs> doing so why even bring it up you you're like do i even want to know you know yeah <laughs> right like just, just out of sight out of mind but yeah. in the public domain is what's really interesting where it's going to impact all of us, like your crowdfunding charity project. That's, that's public, open to everybody, and we will all interact with that platform at some point, which is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. And Yeah, I'm very excited for it. <laughs> You know, and if we're talking about that, that's why I'm so grateful for all the other projects. Like my project essentially wouldn't be possible without all the other ones that are, you know, building on yeah. like Alchemy, Enter the Void NFTs. All those projects are the latest. All those projects are the main reason that my project can become a reality. So it's really, it's really cool to see. I love yeah, it. Yeah, even Stargazer. Yep. I, I love it. I love how everything just coming together and then. The thing is that, you know, sometimes you experience things that uh, happen that slowly, you know, drip, drip. But with this company, people didn't see much for a long time unless they did, you know, dig deep. Like they say, oh, it's nothing happening, nothing happening. And then this year, they're going to experience this giant firework because like everything comes together at the same time. And they're going to be like, boom, <laughs> blown away because it's not going to be drip, drip anymore. It's going to be main it too it's gonna be lettuce you know it's gonna be alchemy and then it's gonna be enter the void and then geogem and everything just like boom 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 and they're gonna be like ah, I, I can't you know, stop winning crazy. like what are you guys doing some people won't even look up it's very interesting that that some are zoomed in on constellation mm -hmm. and what they're doing and others are just oblivious to it which yeah like most people don't even it. never heard about it I love the evangelical side of mm -hmm. Constellation. I grew up um, evangelical Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. So I've always appreciated like spreading the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> and in a sense, Constellation feels like that mm -hmm. to me, um, just because it's, it's generative energy and love and it works on a scale of infinity. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's exactly what I uh, I feel about it. That um, that's why I feel like that everybody who's drawn to constellation is really drawn to it because it resonates with them to the soul. Christina, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? People know me by Lattice Duchess. Whenever I was first accumulating Lattice, there is a uh, Citadel map. I don't know if you've ever seen the picture. of mm -hmm. It shows the level mm -hmm. of what Lattice will, what you will be called, you know, in the future, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. When Lattice is worth $1,000 per token. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it, it's the rope, the hope, 
the Coke, and then it says generational wealth. You're like a prince or whatever. And then, you know, it goes all the way up to king and past that emperor. My goal was to be a duke. A duke has 50,000 lattice. And so that's when I adopted the name Lattice Duchess. Yeah, because that's not a cool story. It really yeah. is a cool story. And, and they were able to, you know, be with me through that journey. Um, there's an old Chinese proverb that says to not decide is to decide, right? <laughs> yeah. And so when I decided, I decided really fast. Well, you did the right thing. <laughs> now from this time point of view, and we look back for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> I never personally seen that uh, citadel map you're talking about. I will be curious to see it. Maybe I can pinpoint myself with my, with my current holding somewhere in the bottom. <laughs> I don't know how the, you know the map plays out at the moment, but it would be interesting to see. I, I will put it on my vision board. You know, like where I wanna be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Visualize it to my life. I came in to constellation sort of guns blazing, you know, like <laughs> felt like I knew, but I didn't know nothing. And I came in guns blazing, like, like, this is it. You know, <laughs> I offended people and I didn't act right and things like that. And I got banned from the wow. Constellation main chat because uh, I was a little too demanding, I guess, of information. And, um, you know, so we see that a lot with, <laughs> with new people. Yeah. But lately I saw it, yeah, with people, mm -hmm. but they always want to have all the info that's, by the way, <laughs> out there already, they just have to look for it. Like, most of the questions they are asking in the group when I'm in, I see them already answered before, either in the group or right. on one of the, um, you know, hypergraph hours or in interviews. Um, but that's the one positive thing I can say as an admin. Mm -hmm. Um, in Telegram is the fact that they have a search function. If mm -hmm. people will use it, you just click up in the, the little icon and then you type in the word. I mean, people come in and they say, well, what will quantum computing do to Constellation, the encrypted data pipeline? Well, if they type in quantum, uh, that's been addressed many, many times. So they could just read about it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Maybe a good soul should make like a, a video about how to search things. <laughs> you know, if you want to learn about things, you have to be able to also learn about the places who would offer you those informations. Here we go. That That's like self-doubt. I mean, you don't think you can learn it. Yep. Uh, limiting yourself, that's rough. That's really rough. Um, there's lots of things I do that myself, I'll be honest. Constellation is the end-all, be-all for me. Like, I don't feel like that I need to explore other platforms. But at the same time, Constellation is the unifier. And we'll get to that later. I don't have the funds, frankly. To, to put into anything else. Um, if, if I did, even still, I would be a little bit scared. There's a lot of scams and yeah, rug pulls sure. mm -hmm. and things. I do trust myself and, and whatnot, but there's just so much to learn. And I, I just feel like I need to take baby steps, right? That's how most of the people uh, feel, but you at least know one project and you can fully trust it. at least you got into a project with all your trust that is actually a trustable and good project right but but there are a lot of people who feel the way you feel about this whole ecosystem from 
you know, just about blockchain itself or crypto. The asset class in general. Yes. Yeah, like the, the whole thing for them, they, they don't see it as something that's going to become. You know, just like how people were afraid of the industrial revolution back then. Now, like this is like another industrial revolution. And people are always terrified of change. It's inherently in us that we are afraid of change happening. And this is a big change if you think about it, because, you know, that's the thing. That's how I always try to explain it to, to my friends and people I meet that they say it's a very big change and they, they don't see how it has value, right? right? But on the other hand, they have, you know, they think that when they have cash, fiat, they have the paper in their hand and it has value because they can physically touch it. And I'm like, okay, not even talking about what bags that up. <laughs> let's forget right. that part. Fresh air. Fresh yeah, air. Let's, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> let's, but let's say it's really physical and it's really worth something and it's really backed up by something. Let's say that it's really exists. <laughs> even then, you still use your debit card. You still use your credit card, right? You still, uh -huh. you still move money uh, from bank to bank or, you know, whatever. Now we have you know, these apps, you know, through PayPal or whatnot, you're still using all those functions when you cannot physically touch the money. So the money is electronically in the air and yeah. you still trust it. You receive your salary through that system and you still trust that you're getting something of a value for your job that you are, you know, working at. That's how I always try to explain it to people because maybe then it's easier to understand that in some shape or form, you are already digital. Right. It ju it's just that what is that digital that instead of a US dollar or yeah, you know, it's, whatever, it's something else. Yeah, it's not that big of a leap to um to to move from somebody else managing your money or holding your money to self custody, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I think, think a lot of people are afraid of self custody. They are because they they will probably people mismanage their money <laughs> most of the time right like that's why people say you know i i don't want to paint my own room let's do a painter do it i don't want to do my <laughs> own taxes let's you know somebody who you know knows what they're doing and, and the same thing if you want to do a surgery <laughs> you don't want to go to the grocery store you probably want the surgeon for it so i understand i understand that concept but mm -hmm. i think that um inherently what's wrong uh, also with the, our education system that how it raises our children or even us we don't learn basic things that actually useful in life <laughs> like for example how to manage your money <laughs> it would be something useful like i don't say you have to do your taxes or you have to know everything about how money moves but to be able to manage your own money and account for your own money so you don't run out of budget and get so much debt on your credit cards useful for everyone. And I think that's why it's so terrifying because we were brought up into a system which is debt-based, right? Like we all have credit cards and that's how we have our social scores and we have mortgages and all that. And that's how we decide who is credit worthy, even the word credit worthy, right? It's all a debt system. And when right. you live in a debt system, you kind of don't have limits, just what they're giving you as a limit to spend. And even then, most of the credit cards allows you to go over the limit. They just fine you for a certain amount. So people don't have that responsibility as they used to when they only had their cash uh, on their hand since it became digital. And maybe because it's so scary how they are in debt 
or the debt system, maybe another digital revolution into even more different system is scary. That's how I think about it when I people when I hear people talk about it that they just too afraid to jump on think that crypto is a scam. <laughs> That's what I hear. Crypto is a scam. <laughs> well let me tell you what I think about that. So I don't want to get into religion, but we know that the world is is spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we know that probably at least a third of the world is Christian, right? And a lot of those people have read Revelation mm-hmm. in the Bible, the last chapter, because what? It's the most eye-opening, the most scary, the most like intriguing. It's got a, it's like, you know, puzzle, like try to figure it out. The, the, once they read it, they're like, whoa. And then they see how society has progressed and they don't know the difference between, like you said earlier, centralized and decentralized. Yep. And they, all of a sudden they think, oh, crypto's the devil. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Mm -hmm. I could have been a millionaire probably back in 2012. I literally almost bought $20 of Bitcoin in 2010. (laughs) What scared you away? That, what I'm talking to you about. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to, to say that. But I thought, uh-oh, no, I'm not getting involved with this. Mm-hmm. It's very disappointed, I guess, that I didn't do it. But it's not a big deal. It's really not a big deal. We're on our own journey. And I'm I'm super excited where this, where this ecosystem is going. And I'm excited. For the people, the smaller holders that are going to be able to do fractional node staking soon. Mm-hmm. And this is an amazing, amazing thing that's about to happen because it all boils down to data, right? Yeah. If you, if you fractionalize the entire internet, it all boils down to data. Yep. And Constellation has realized that. Wyatt Feldman flocked. And his, you know, let's imitate nature theory and all of that. Like, that's a way over my head. I think you <laughs> you resonate with that a lot better than I do. But Oh, I love it. <laughs> I know you love it. I know you love it. And, and, I, and I love it, too, because I, I, I see things from, like, a really big level, like a 40,000-foot like a, like a view. That's how I do everything, is I'm at a 40,000-foot view. And then I come down, come down, come down, come down. And I do it really fast. I try to, right? Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I just let it go. Because it's not for me to solve the inner workings of it or the technology, but I need to understand why, what, who, when, wow, (laughs) like all that. And that comes from starting from the big picture, I think that's me. I feel that we all have our entry points in certain things. So when you said you feel bad about buying Bitcoin back in 2012, I don't think it was a mistake. Like I wouldn't look at it that way. I learned to look at life in a way from a perspective that everything happens happens and happened for a reason. And I think about it, maybe if you have done it and you would have become like a Bitcoin maxi, as yeah, thanks. call it, Maybe you would have never, ever, ever looked at that. And then the your yeah. life, the community, everything about it would be not there. That is not there today. You would probably miss that more than the million that you would have gotten already from the Bitcoin right. Maxi because your life would be so different. And 
because how everything is going, you still can easily get that million <laughs> that you could have gotten from Bitcoin, <clears throat> but from a different perspective, from a different project and something that maybe you resonate more with. So I think that's the important thing about any project is that we don't have to comprehend all of it if we find an entry point that we resonate with. And once your being can resonate with the project and you can trust it, you can invest in it. That's why I always tell people, don't just invest into something when somebody else tells you so. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know if that person actually did their research or they were also just told and it's just something that got hyped up. Even if you don't understand what the project really is doing, still have more sources about it. Not just go to YouTube and listen to all the FUD because people get actually paid for to say certain things. Same thing happens on Twitter and many forums. But if you actually, you know, start talking about it with different sources and people, you probably can get a more neurodam picture about if it's something that you want to invest in or not. So mm-hmm. I, I think I, and that's how I find um, Constellation. I'm going to be honest. When I first heard about it, now, you know, the past years kind of melt together in my head. So I, <laughs> I can't pinpoint the exact time when I, first heard about it and when I invested but I know that between hearing and investing it was a good about six seven months so I did not invest right away and even when I first invested I invested a smaller amount like I don't remember maybe like 150 or 200 dollars something like that because I was still like testing myself yeah. You know, am, am I really into it? And I have not, at that point, I had not fully understood it. The only thing that was constantly ringing in my ear, but they have contracted with the government. Yes, right. You second-guessed yourself. Yes. yes. I did so, the same thing. I did the same thing. Right. I, I, I don't know if you ever read my article, um, Big Brains Lattice Exchange. No, but I want to. So please send me. The well, link. it's not. It's not some. It's some like you know Wyatt article. It's not. It doesn't it matter. Is, it I is, want to read. <laughs> but it is a forty thousand foot view. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no interoperability between native blockchains without constellation. Yep. It, it just isn't going to happen, right? And so, therefore, mass adoption can't happen until these platforms can interconnect. Mm -hmm. And it's super important that people understand something that Altif put out there. And that was the interoperability of all these platforms and the fact that we are data agnostic. I mean, we always used to talk about, I mean, I've learned so much in this Mm -hmm. ecosystem. It's amazing. But when I was first learning Launchpad, I didn't even know what that meant. I actually <laughs> got the idea from Cryptics that Launchpad was get seed funding mm-hmm. and begin their operations and everything. But I did not realize that Launchpad was chain agnostic. I thought that Launchpad was only going to be for the hypergraph. And now I realize that the, that the Launchpad itself can launch projects from any ecosystem interoperability is very huge and important because there are a lot of projects out there that are already extensively built out and are super awesome projects. They just have lackings here and there because where they were built on, you know, sometimes it's security, sometimes it's scalability. I think the most important part that a lot of projects lacks is scalability. And so once they get on to Constellation or that basically fixes for them 
launch pads are designed exclusively to um, launch new projects, right? It, all it mm -hmm. is is raising money. Yes. It's mm -hmm. not about what chain you come from. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're on engine starter, if you're on mm -hmm. uh, finance, if you're on Polkadot, it, it doesn't matter. Any, any launch, this is why GeoJam is mm -hmm. going to be so important. GeoJam launched on several launch pads. They've created tons of wallets and uh, they've done everything to make their IDO a success, mm -hmm. right? And hey, that's delayed gratification on the, on the owner's part. Because, I mean, all of us as project uh, CEOs or CFOs, we want to see our project born quickly and flourish quickly and everything but do we want do we want to delay our gratification of that ido day for a better outcome right mm -hmm. we don't want to be looked at as a a rug pull or some you know project that let bots front run everybody and that's why i respect geojam sarah is going to make their ido day a day to remember if you can introduce yourself to us so we know how you get into the space and what to know okay. about mm -hmm. Yeah, well, my name's Nefertiti Strong. Um, mm -hmm. I've been at Realm uh, as the CMO for, I think about five or six months now. So I'm very new to um, Web3 and mm -hmm. the transition from Web2 to Web3 obviously is what the metaverse is really all about. Mm -hmm. um, my background is as a recording artist, an actress, a director and a producer. I got a record deal when I was like 16 years old. I was signed to Universal Mercury, um, the Rhythm and Black Music Group. Um, made records for, I don't know, 15, 20 years of my life. You really never stop being a musician. <laughs> Moved into acting. First movie was The Black Panther Story, starring Angela Bassett, directed by Mario Van Peebles and his father, Melvin Van Peebles, may he rest in peace, a icon in Hollywood. Um, and from there, I really always wanted to continue telling stories. I had the pleasure of working with a lot of my um, colleagues, people that I was making records with anyway, and people that I knew from the industry, other artists um, that just trusted someone like myself who understood their journey to tell their stories. So I've directed for like Ice-T, Nelly, doing a lot of live concerts, really, because that's my forte, performing and uh, being on stage and just understanding the music, I was able to pull myself into that field. Um, the first short that I actually produced uh, went to Sundance. And from there, I started working with a lot of different artists and um, aspiring to be a director and, you know, tell more stories. I ended up doing a documentary called For Faith, For Love, Forever. Um, mm -hmm. This was about gay marriage and the rights to pe for people to marry when Obama was in. So I shot that around 2008. And then wow. from there, I started really just getting into more branding and being a part of different campaigns and working with loads of agencies and loads of brands that um, were just around entertainment. So I'm kind of an all around entertainment person who understands branding and marketing. And um, I met our COO, um, Evan Buckman. Mm -hmm in Uganda, <laughs> believe oh, wow. it or not, because um, I've done a lot of work in, Ghana, uh, in Africa as well. Mm -hmm. And um, after a few years of knowing each other, um, we built 
a few product lines together. Um, I have a coffee company called Carico. It's out of Uganda. Um, if you, our sites are being merged, but if you go to carico.global, you can learn a little bit about more uh, of what I do in the coffee space. And um, through that process of creating like CBD coffee and mushroom coffee with Evan and his partners, we just evolved. And um, Evan was running around with Matt um, and Joban in London through his school years. Um, I would say a year. Um, he met him through another partner, as life is. It's just one thing takes you to another. They were doing water. Pro they had a water project going on in London where they were basically, um, it's, it's more to it than I'm putting out there, but they were making sure that people had healthy, clean water. And through COVID, that project stopped. And um, there was the birth of Realm through um, Matt Lowerby and Jovan Thomas and another gentleman um, named Milan. So they had already been successful together um, in Web2 and um, you know, decided to see if they could do another project and, and, and kind of here I am. Wow. Wow. Like you guys literally by chance got together and uh, with all the experience and everything you guys did and creating something amazing that's bridging from Web 2 to Web 3. That's truly amazing. And I'm so happy that you mentioned other products that you and Aerosodem worked on. I'm just so impressed how all these uh, brands and people from all different walks of life get together. I love it. How can women empower others, especially other women in the space or in life in general? I feel like it's Women's Day every day. I don't That's really true. need a holiday to remind me. I'm glad that, that it's there. But it's Women's Day every day. And I think that's one of the main ways that we can continue to aspire and inspire one another is just by really remembering who we are and, you know, how we all got here, regardless of like, you know, what you believe on the religious side of how this world evolved. We all know that women give birth, right? And I think mm -hmm. that the fact that we give birth means that we manifest in so many different ways. We bear children and so we give birth and that I think it's important for us to continue to remind each other of that, that we are the species that breeds, right? And so I yeah. think the thought moves faster than the speed of light. <laughs> and so inspiring each other is one thing, but acknowledging each other is another. I think what happens in our industry, like most industries, um, it's mostly male dominant and male dominated. And in that sense, we tend to want to be one of the boys, you know, regardless and hang out and be accepted and be happy that we're the only one in the space when the intention should be to position yourself to put your hand down and bring someone else up, you know, to really try and do more inspirational things as women rather than knowing that they should be done and not ever getting around to doing it. So one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, because this would be my way of inspiring other women. Um, who knows who's going to hear it? Um, I just thought, wow, how can I actually contribute? This is a great concept. It's a great idea. There's not a lot of us in this Telegram group, but here we are putting together an action inspired by a day. And so, yeah, I just think that inspiring other women by actually doing and being a part of things 
is one of the main ways for us to keep holding each other up. Wholeheartedly agree. And that's why we created the Tilda group, because we wanted to support each other Women's Day. But like you said, it's every day. Like it's not just one day in a in a year that we celebrate. I feel the same about every holiday, like when we celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. and then people get together and then they fight about gifts and, you know, who gets uh, what to whom and how much it costs. I don't feel that that's the right way to celebrate. Every day should be a celebration of love and family. And it shouldn't be about what price tag we can put on things. So I feel like it's true for every single holiday because, you know, every day is a new day that we can do amazing things. And who knows which is the last day that we <laughs> we are here. So mm-hmm. we should celebrate it. That brings to my topic that do you believe that sharing our own story, like we said, even the downs, not just the ups, can help others? Absolutely. Um, I know that I've been very blessed in my life. Um, just to even say that you having had a record deal is a big deal for a lot of people who aspire to want to have the opportunity to have a company believe in your music enough to want to give you a place to express yourself and they pay for it, right? So a lot of times that's what I think um, is really, really cool about the opportunity that I had at such a young age. And I think it's inspirational for people to know where I come from and my background and it being very humble and me just, you know, being a person who loved music and who really put everything I had at the tender age of 16 into it and having the opportunity to travel around the world and um, just do what I love, make music is aspirational. And most people that get to know me, unless I have the opportunity to tell them that story, I don't. Some people will figure it out. They're like, wait a minute, where have I seen you? Or where do I know you from? Or that voice? Or I have this because they go back to that era of hip hop. And I was blessed to be in the era of hip hop that um, I feel like is hip hop. It really established itself around the world in that particular time. So when you have a chance to tell young people, older people, you know, that you had that opportunity and that you evolved through it and continue to do what it is that you love, it may be in a different structure, it may be in a different form, it may be called something different, but intentionally, marketing is really storytelling. And (laughs) it's really a matter of understanding who you are to be able to tell the story. So yeah, I think it's super important for us to inspire people by telling them our stories and sharing the ups and downs because it's never been easy. Um, You know, there's been times in my life where I've had, you know, serious struggles. Um, But I don't think that not talking about those struggles um, is wrong. I just don't think that sometimes people want to put themselves in the position of having to struggle because it sometimes shows a sign or people may think of weakness. But I think everything that's happened in my life has been a blessing, the good, the bad. Um, it's, it's made me who I am today. So I really do think that that's important. Sharing your story, ups and downs, definitely helps others. 
I feel that when we share our story, people can relate to us better and then they can maybe reflect on it and, and see themselves, even if it, even if they are in a different field and what makes them happy is something else. But the fact that somebody says that I love what I do and that's my mission, that's my purpose of doing it, that maybe give a chance and maybe empowers them to do the same. So instead of doing what they don't love and struggle through life, that they're doing everything they don't love, instead they step into something that they love, even if there's a lot of struggles around the way. But we all learn from our troubles. So I agree with you completely. Um, sometimes it's hard to open. I feel that in the beginning, especially for me, when I try to share my story, it's, uh, it's, I've been a very private person. So sometimes it's really hard to open up about things that, you know, we might feel that put us into a different light. But I agree with you completely. And as I'm moving on to my next question, I was wondering, because the next question would be, what do you value the most in Web3? But I also wanted to ask you, you mentioned the way you got to Rian by knowing your partners, but when you first heard about the idea and when you first heard about Web3 or this whole developing new system, what was your first impression about it? Like how you kind of eased yourself into this new world? Um, when I first met Matthew, he was with Evan Buckman, who's the COO of Realm. Mm -hmm. And his ideas, really, to be honest, um, you know, his, his utopianism, his, his, his ideas of how this new world could be created, this virtual world, this factionalized, decentralized um, creation of open source of how people could come in. And he was so enamored about all of these, you know, folks in these three third world countries that had, you know, for example, um, in Thailand, grocery workers were taught how to game. They did play to earn and they earned more money than they would have had COVID not hit. So a lot of things like hip hop music are funded out of necessity. They come from the heart. They come from things that are needed. Obviously, um, a lot of people believe that when blockchain shows up, that means the, the banking system has crumbled. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard that before. It depends on your thinking. Uh, for me, when I think about Web3, I think about Web1, basic mm -hmm. HTML, emails. Um, and I go back because I'm a 70s baby. So <laughs> I think about when I saw my dad with a brick phone. And I was like, what's that in the briefcase? <laughs> Um, is it Ghostbusters? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and so it just seemed weird, but because my dad owned the limo business and he was picking up celebrities and he also was a bail bondsman and he was like, you know, we moved from Chicago to LA, so he was rolling. He had to have everything that was updated and new. Then when you think about Web 2, basically it became more information centric, right? You started mm -hmm. to see the, the birth of social, the birth of how you could do it together. Um, you know, an intermediary of cell phones and different technologies, the birth of, you know, in between that, Apple and Google and all of these different companies that came about, um, you know, that initially, I think, I always want to believe people start out with great intentions and then the money comes in. And I only know because I've been a part of it. You know, you start out rapping on Venice Beach, next thing you know, you got a million dollar record deal. It's a different life. It changes you. Um, and I think that if you look at the infrastructure of the world and you look at the way that the world has evolved technologically and the way that it hasn't evolved for some technologically, then it brings you to Web3. 
because it's decentralized, it's private and secure, but it's user centric. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is everybody has a chance to get in on it. And so that makes it very um, fluid in the sense that your story can be told to an audience that you may not have recognized that you had through MailChimp. Now all of a sudden you can build this virtual world um, you know, with this virtual land in this virtual metaverse that you access through an HTML code. Still goes back to that same thing. Um, so, you know, I think for me, I value the open source. I value the fact that right now it has not been all the way centralized. Obviously there are centralized exchanges and everything. Um, but I do value the fact that people have an opportunity to see something new. I don't want humanity to lose itself. I think that would be foolish if we allowed AI to run us and we didn't run it. Um, I think that's a foolish game. And I think that men will never be able to give birth out of their stomachs. They carry okay. sperm. And so I say that to say that all of this technology that we're building didn't stop hunger. We're still at war, and a lot, I don't see women charging into other countries. So I don't see women charging into the metaverse either the way that you see men charging into the metaverse. So back to the initial empowerment question. Mm -hmm. How do we continue to empower each other? I think it can happen through Web3. I think it happens right now. I'm meeting a group of women I would have never known had I not been given this opportunity by a group of young men. So we play, we, it, there's an interlocking, but it has to come through that beginning, that inertia of good. It can't be lost in the money. It can't be lost in the, the crypto and the tokens. And I hope that it can stay genuine. I know that it won't, but I think that there are people like us that can create some circles and can create some atmospheres, virtual or not, uh, for people to be able to evolve into. And so hopefully through that ideation of knowing that this needs to stay a certain way, people can enjoy the value of now moving into this new technology and into this new revolution. And when I talk to people in Constellation Network, I feel like that we have this very tight community who has the same resonance, the same frequencies about what they would like to see in the world, that we would like to see more unity, more inclusions, and we just want to help others. That's why when I, I look on Twitter and I see all these, like, I call them rooster fights between projects, right? Like who is better, who is faster, <laughs> who is cheaper, who is doing what? I never really seen that regarding Constellation Network. And when I asked, for the founders, why they don't make these comparing charts with other projects, you know, so we can show that to others who are not in the project. And they, they always say the same thing separately from each other because we don't want comparison. We just want to be in the space and we want everybody to have a better life and be included. And I, I feel like that what you mentioned is exactly that. So I don't wonder that you guys ended up with Constellation. <laughs> it's it's really well, something. I, I don't want to take credit for it. Actually, it really, you know, I wish I could say that I was a part of those phone calls. I really wasn't uh, because I think it ended up that Gina and um, Millie 
mm-hmm. um, who are the two, you know, women marketing uh, people there in both spaces just said, hey, you know, there's another lady. Let me, you know, and then also I think they saw my diligence. I immediately saw the importance of um, this particular company and what they were looking to do and trying to do and also doing. And I got it. I really understood it. And I thought, okay, let me do more than just meet them and put together a Medium article. I really thought, let's figure out what we can do together. You know, let's look and see how we can affect change with one another. Let's do some things. Like, let's not let this just be, we did it. We did the hypergraph hour and then everybody's excited and we got some good press from it. I think it's more important, you know, as as we said, to to inspire one another. And I'm happy they invited me to this group. I think it was a really cool opportunity. I've kind of been watching. I like to like watch first mm-hmm. and read a little bit um, because I'm so overwhelmed with work and I'm also just in my space yeah. um, that I, you know, pretty much don't really do a lot of, I've, I've been out there as an artist, so mm-hmm. I like my personal time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes social media can get really overwhelming, like, especially if you have multiple accounts, like, you know, Twitter, Telegram, and then, you know, it just keep beeping. And sometimes I just turn my phone off and people ask me like, you don't have like notifications on your phone. And I'm like, no, I like to open it when I want to open it. <laughs> I don't want to be reminded <laughs> of it all the time. I, I have two children at home. So imagine like running after them and I constantly having a beeping phone. So it's like, if something is really important, people know how to reach me. <laughs> so otherwise, you know, I, I so I completely understand what where you're coming from. It can be very overwhelming, and uh, people mm-hmm. get lost in it. You know, sometimes people just open the phone. I used to do that and just scroll and scroll and scroll, and then you know, so much time passed by, and then in the end, they disappointed because they didn't get anything done. So yeah, I, I understand it. Um, <laughs> I do have one question that I ask everyone, not just today, but generally. I like to ask this question. Uh, what is your number one piece of advice that you would give to your own self, your younger self? I, the, if, um, <laughs> there's a lot I would tell my younger self for sure. Patience, humility, and more self-love. And taking the time to appreciate oneself is not just, you know, getting your nails and your feet done and like your hair done buying yourself a nice outfit, but really spending time with self in that meditative moment where you can reflect. That's what I would tell my younger self, to stay humble. I like, I like to think I'm a very humble person. Um, I have humility. I do things with intention. So I've always been that person since I was a kid, but I would tell my younger self to do more of it because I don't think there's ever enough self-love because when one loves thyself, you can love others. And when you respect yourself and you accept yourself for who you are, then you're able to accept the world, right? Because you accept you. And I think everything starts in the being. So for a long time, I didn't really accept myself for the musician and the actress and all these different things I just had in me. I would hide a lot and not really want to be too much better, but I knew I was always better and good and didn't really understand why God had given me certain gifts. So I would just say, nourish your gifts, you know, and always be your number one fan. Because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. Yes! I love that. <laughs> that resonates completely. I-, I agree. Actually, that was one of my subjects of my previous episode, the how to become your authentic self. And that was one of the subjects I talked about, how it's so important to have self-love, because without self-love, nobody's going to truly love you. That's true. (laughs) 
But I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to uh, speak with me and to speak to everyone who's going to listen to this. And I really appreciate everything you said. I, you really you really blow my mind. So I, okay. I appreciate it. But I do want to say thank you so much. And I'm so proud of the fact that we've been able to get together in such a short notice and short time and actually help one another. So I hope some of what I've said makes sense. Absolutely. And thank you and happy Women's Day. <laughs> you too. Thank you so much. <laughs> Natalie, what do you think about the inspiration and the empowerment uh, amongst women? I believe that we all have our place to play in this world. And I'm sure that there is a woman much smarter, but I feel like girl power stereotypes <laughs> and let's go GNO are here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply being grateful to one another for experiential growth mm-hmm. is how to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. When we all come together and lift one another up, is that that provides me the most enjoyment out of living this existence. And a strong community of women empower each other. It's a, it's a generative economy in and of itself because mm-hmm. you empower me and then I empower you by mm-hmm. by acting on that empowerment, which anybody who's listening may become empowered and then pay that forward. And it just goes on forever like that. It's like positivity just feeds positivity. I agree. It's like uh, somebody planted like an energy seed <laughs> of that trait and then it travels through <laughs> everyone. I love it. Like we, we all touch each other's lives. But it's yeah. uh, it's also not just in one way. It's also you know backwards. Like just like I I touch someone's life with what I say by their reaction to that also affects me and so forth. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like a never-ending loop of all around. I wanted to ask you another question. Do you believe that sharing our own story, both the ups and downs, can help others? I do. I do believe that. And I'm happy to do that. But the best thing I can do is walk by example, right? So talk is cheap and listening is rare. You know that. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, communication is a dance and most people don't do it very well. Mm -hmm. Especially these days, most of the time you're engaged with someone in a conversation and they're they're like busy thinking about what they're going to say back. They're not even listening. That's true. It's a bit frustrating communicating these days, especially communicating in a big tech environment, right? Because it's group think and it's censored think. (laughs) It's not individual think. And I'm saddened by that. That really depresses probably most of the world with COVID. And it has really, really hampered our ability to be one-on-one with each other. Very sad. Sad and true. It's sad and true. And I'm looking forward to Constellation being a unifier, right? Mm -hmm. And being a more peer-to-peer type network. And we'll talk about Web3 later, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. But this is the ability to express oneself. And it's so true. People live in their head so much. Lately, what I was thinking about a lot, thinking, I'm in my head too, a lot. The whole point of this past couple of years, not just these two years, but like more like the past 15, 20 years, is perhaps that we should move to our hearts. 
And I was listening to different interviews and one that struck with me like very strongly that I can hear it every day in my head, even though it's been months since I, I watched it. Deborah Rosman's interview with, uh, it's the called The Healing Matrix on Gaia TV. She's the CEO and the founder of uh, HeartMath. And she was exactly talking about that, how it's important to move in our, into our heart and how the, basically our heart frequency resonates with earth. So when something really bad's going on out there in the world, it affects everyone who lives on earth through our heart frequency, through our electromagnetic field. We feel yes. it. And, and that's how it changes us. So when you see so much aggressivity out there and, and so much sadness, but really high vibing in certain ways, it will affect you because it affects earth, you know, mother earth, it gets affected. So obviously it's going to affect us. But even one person being sad and constantly, you know, pushing out those vibes, even if it's only one person can affect earth. Because even one drop in the ocean can make waves. So it's so important that we always, in some form, think about, think of the word in unity. Because we, we can all go somewhere or we can all go the other way. For me, it's so important to, to really feel into that resonance. And that's why I always say it's important to think. For me, it's even more important to feel and to be able to feel into what we think. So I always put my focus on my heart instead of my brain. To think, you know, <laughs> I think and I am, but I do. Think uh, and I am. <laughs> I do focus on my on my heart first. So I wanted to ask you, uh, what is that that you most value about Web three? So what I think about Web three is that it's a reckoning. <laughs> um, big tech has been involved in everything that we do. It doesn't matter what country that you're from. The gatekeeper is about to be removed. That's my opinion. We can have peer-to-peer transactions and industries can be accountable that's really, it's really the nutshell of it. The blockchain records everything. Constellation is just the rails. They don't record the data. They don't store. Let's put it that way. They don't store the data, but they notarize. And not just the transaction, but the data itself is notarized. That means not only that the data is permanent on the ledger. It can't mm-hmm. be changed. Okay, that's true. but is it notarized? And that's what the layer zero does. Yeah, I think it's one of the things that I may value most is unity. Mm-hmm. And this technology, it provides that. It unifies the universe and connects the globe. So I really value that. And women coming together is essential for technology to be successful. Sure. We each have a beautiful input and cycle and love for growth. I feel like that maybe in the beginning for me, when I first heard about crypto, that's why it was so intimidating because when I entered the space, every, even every channel I listened to regarding crypto, it was all men. And, you know, I felt like, I mean, I like playing soccer, but I felt like exactly like when I, middle school and high school, I went to play soccer and it was all boys on the playground playing soccer. Mm-hmm. And then you, you feel so left out. Unless they, you know, they embrace you and they let you play with them. But then you have to play by the boys' rules. (laughs) So that's how I felt like uh, in the beginning in the world of crypto. And I was so attracted to in the beginning. I mean, it's not 
the only reason, but I feel like when I first got attracted to, I don't know if you know much about Stellar XLM, but the founder is a woman. And so I feel like that maybe that was one of my like pool, <laughs> like not even knowing, like subconsciously. And right now I feel like the same pool that I felt at that time, it's, it's done to other women by the NFT. I feel like that with the NFTs, that's how we bring, like if thinking about all the celebrities who are getting into crypto right now, uh, or the ladies who are coming from these bitter spoons, so who knows yeah. <laughs> who else, they all getting into this uh, Web3 space through NFTs. That's what they yeah. advertise. That. And then, then it makes so much sense now, the project, the GeoGem or token events, right? And, and those are basically all like those fan-based events and products that bring everyone in. So I feel like that's like the pull-in for all the ladies. I always try to think of things as like yin and yang and uh-huh. like masculine and feminine. And maybe crypto is the masculine and uh-huh. NFT is the feminine. And the two, the two must go together. And right now, I think what we're seeing in the crypto world, because of gas fees, <laughs> is the dominant of crypto the the word masculine energy and and that does come first you know like um yeah that's yeah. how you know that's how it all started i feel for most people that's what created need for all of it because so many underbank nations too much centralization about finance so i feel like that's why the financial side started first i feel like that's how the masculinity and uh, entered into the space and now why NFTs are the one that pulls women in because of art. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like we are like the, this Creation. bubble. Yeah, we, we love creating. And by finance, economy is still creating, but it's, it's more, you know, it's more described in a certain boxed rules by art. Security, yeah. Yeah, by art, yes. it's like just, you know, flies and creates itself. And, you know, creativity, imagination and the visualization, everything is that. And while there are a lot of great men who do art, I feel like that's what pulls all the is in. And then that's why I think we started to see NFTs with art first, although NFT is so much more than art. I mean, if you think about Natalie's another <laughs> Natalie's property project with selling a house as an NFT, that's just mm-hmm. one tiny speck of what it can actually mean for the NFT market. Because and anything you know, everybody told her everybody told her like you are trying to do something that is very difficult mm-hmm. with taking tangible property and assigning a metaverse permit to it. And I'm sure she had to jump through all sorts of hoops to mm-hmm. to get her project just even listened to or understood. She did it. Yeah. The first I mean kind of the first to to do this concept that makes all rational sense that anything can be tokenized. Yeah, for me, that was so mind blowing. Like that's mm-hmm. actually, <laughs> even though I love art and all, that's when I started paying attention to NFTs. When mm-hmm. I heard about her project, for me, that was the pool because I just thought of, because I was already into, you know, the crypto. So I saw the financial side. For me to pay attention to NFTs, I needed her vision to do so. I feel like if people come in without any background and they came into the space through NFTs, they don't need to see her project to get into space, but they need her project also to see the other side of it, other than just art. So for me, she's a revolutionary. That's why I love what she's doing. But it's amazing to me. And you see, it's almost like she had on to it, even though everybody said it's not possible. This is against it. You know, the regulations are low and right. this. And then she's like, give birth. 
birth, you know, <laughs> like we, yeah. we like we made to give birth to things and just keep doing no matter how hard is it. And I and I so respect it. Yeah, it, it's completely a milestone mm-hmm. uh, in this space. And the culture of, around NFTs is so fascinating because like I wonder what the Ethereum base or, or any of them right now are going to be worth in in 10 years after the void comes along and they can see those transactions. Will they be worth more because they were minted on a blockchain that that had this historic gas fee that was made obsolete by new technology would that impact the price of them in the future yeah because every time something is the first it always you know gives like an extra value to it right that's why they said the original the first nfts that came to be i honestly i didn't follow that close i'm not sure i'm assuming it was some ape <laughs> or something like that <laughs> I don't remember, but that's why those are so valuable because it was the first. And when something is the first, it's like has so much extra value to it. And that's why people say that Bitcoin is so big because basically what started, mm-hmm. even though to be honest, when I read about, you know, the history of like crypto and stuff, there were coins before Bitcoin. I don't know if anybody knows that, but Bitcoin actually wasn't <laughs> the first one, but Bitcoin was the first one that got accepted by the wide range of people. But there were other coins before Bitcoin. So it wasn't actually the first. It just I really didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) If you look it up, there were many other coins that were never uh, made before Bitcoin. It just never got a populace. You know, it was created and and all, but it it never became what, you know, Bitcoin or any of the current coins, you know, become. Yeah, it's interesting. So that's why that Bitcoin is the father of all coins, because that was like the first majorly accepted concept. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's so interesting when you think about that uh, regarding NFTs and all. And to get back to what you said, I think you are onto something with that. It's going to probably give extra value to it because it had that original high gas fees by minting and trading and all. And also, how many times, like, you know, sometimes it also gives value how many, like, when you buy a car and how many owners the car had. Yeah. Like, the yeah. less owners it had, mm-hmm. but like, uh, the less owners it had. The, the better usually because then people don't abuse it like as much with different style of driving but with nfts that's different because you can't really abuse an nft in a way so i'm assuming more owners it had maybe it's gonna mean something to it to you or not i mean i don't know how that that's works cool. with collectibles best thing to think about but i actually was listening to i forgot her name it's a youtube channel who, who she does crypto and she does these conversations with this very like, like these people who are really uh, known in the space and she was talking to like artists nft artists <coughs> and also collectors and they were saying that the reason they were like comparing Ethereum B's NFTs and Solana, <laughs> Solana B's NFTs and all. And they were like all really dragging down Solana, not for the reason that most people in our community do for being completely unsecure and the system always going down, but for being cheap. Listen to that. So why I actually appreciate that they created something that's cheap and so more people, it's more inclusive for people to enter into the space they were actually talking against it they were saying that having an ethereum bees nft is better because then you're just like you know carrying around the gucci bag or whatever it shows you know that you can you know like you are in that Mm -hmm. club that you can and it gives like extra value to it and I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I never had. <laughs> it's nonsense, right? Yeah, like, like, I, I, I never thought of 
bad things I say, but also I love, you know, I love beauty and I love clothing, yeah. but I don't, I, I never valued something more just because it had the brand. I'm not a and brand I... girl. Yeah, I never cared for brands. If I like something, even if it's something for $5, if I really like it, I love it. If it's something yeah. five grand, <laughs> I or might, you know, not even buy store at TJ Maxx. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm like, gonna I don't, it from there. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if, if if I decide that I really want it, I might spend a high amount of money if I can. If I decide right. that it's even worth it for me, or if it does but, something, like if, yeah, if the bag is is big enough to carry a water bottle and a purse and a wallet, yeah, and stop talking so to me, you know, be, <laughs> right? It just so happens to be Ethereum based, then yeah, right. great, great, it does something for me. But when they said that, I was like, oh my god, like. So it's going to worth more because it's like a club that not everybody can be in because they can afford to be in. And I'm like, wow, that's just a weird, twisted way of thinking. But then I talk to people and it's it's kind of true. People think this way because we live in this material world and it matters what kind of car for some people, what kind of car you drive, what shoe you wear. You know, I didn't grow up in that sense because I in Europe it wasn't a thing, I guess, in Hungary. But when I talk to my husband, he's like, yeah, when he grew up here in America, it mattered that you wear like, you know, a certain branded shoe. I don't want to make advertisements. Yeah. I'm not saying brands, but like a certain brand yeah. of shoe. And if you didn't wear it, then you weren't included. You were like right. bullied. So yeah, it's interesting yeah. to see how, how that uh, is. And, and, I, and I do see uh, the bullying on like on Twitter sometimes <laughs> yeah. i do so it's, it's interesting it is yeah. lucky. Mm -hmm. i sure. wonder like if there really is a a, a quality difference between ethereum based nfts and solano based nfts i guess judging from past events maybe maybe one is more secure than the other which would improve quality and then when another platform comes along that has the same quality security or not better well i don't know like I guess the materialism that it was an Ethereum-based NFT will be all that makes it. Yeah, but value. then think about what happened to uh, OpenSea. <laughs> right, right. So, like, so I don't know. Like, no difference in quality. So, you know, it's a question of, I guess, who you support. I mean, I have, I don't want to say anything bad about like Solana because, you know, I don't really care for it much. But I think there is a place for them to, I like that they are here because I feel like they draw more people into space. But it's also a lot of... But Ethereum has a lot of scams on it, too. Just more expensive scams, I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know. Greater risk, for sure. I don't even think it's the platform's fault when, you know, these scams happen. Because if you think about projects that generally are not a scam, in my eyes, uh, Ripple or Stellar or whatever, but now their ledger is open to mint coins on them. And just because people mint, you know, uh, meme coins on them and then they rock pull people, that's not essentially, I don't see it as the uh, network's fault. Yeah. It's just how humans are. There's a debate about meme coins on Lattice Exchange. Mm -hmm. And that was fascinating because will rug pulls be allowed on the exchange will it just happen naturally because that's what happens and it's not the it's not the platform's fault but mm -hmm. it's just it's just natural competition that there will be some 
tokens minted that are just I don't know, rug pulls because that's the way humans work. I think I was part of that conversation. I just don't yeah. think it's. I mean, it's it's possible to do these meme coins on lettuce. My opinion was anyway that I don't think it's possible because. Uh, there are certain rules. You see, when you mint a coin on Ripple or, or Stellar, it's it's kind of cheap. If you know what you're doing, it's very cheap to do so. But on Lattice, to be able to even include it on a constellation, you can only build if you have a state channel and the state channel requires 250,000. Yeah, yeah. Then the node. And if you want to in be included on Lattice, you have to also put down thousand worth of lettuce so you can't remove your node unless you close your state channel which the project is gone at that point so when you remove it with that technically rock pull everyone or you refund everyone but you can't just take their money and run because you have two hundred and fifty thousand tag at minimum locked down so you need just to yeah. entry to that space you have to lock down a whole node and so mm -hmm. when you when people do bad they get punished when you are a node operator. So even if you would find someone who decides to run their node for you as a state channel, once that rock pool happens, they will lose their state channel. So the, they will rock pool everyone, but because they did something bad, their collateral, which is all of their DAG as a node, would be taken from them. Do you think we could see that same concept applied to the void? Well, Void needs a state channel to run, so it's some kind of security, but about who means on mm -hmm. Void? You see, they would have to uh, ask Eric about how the CEO of um, Enter the Void, how the minting process will work. It'll be very interesting to see how scams and security are, mm -hmm. are checked and balanced within a decentralized NFT marketplace. And how all the uh, centralization of government affects even decentralized projects. Depending on interwoven. Yeah. Like like what happened to uh, MetaMask and OpenSea, that they frozen the accounts of those who are like for now against US sanctions. So all the Russian accounts on OpenSea and uh, MetaMask got frozen. And I think the same thing happened prior in Venezuela. I'm not 100% sure on that, but they, I know they had issues. So now the question comes in, if a so-called decentralized body can be forced by a centralized governmental law, how truly decentralized we are. And, you know, if your project is based according to what I gathered, but I haven't done my deep dive in the project. If your project is based, like right now with this example in the US, then you have to abide by the US laws. So we can talk about decentralization all we want, and we can, you know, blame OpenSea and MetaMask, but if they don't abide by the US law, they can be shut down completely. So how one gets around this, I don't know if it's legally even possible. But if it's not possible, then how can we talk about decentralization? That's something I really have to read upon because it bothers me. Because yeah. I do believe in true decentralization has happened, regardless of political stance or, you know, what we think about what's happening in the world right now. It doesn't matter who we support. There are good people everywhere and there are bad people everywhere. And punishing good people just because bad people did bad in a global way i don't see that fair and that's why i support decentralization but if true decentralization cannot happen with current systems then the question comes how the current system is going to work in the future and how are we going to accept it or not yeah. accept it like it's it's a, it's a deep subject that i don't have answers to and i don't know if anybody does but it's something that i think everybody has to think about <laughs> kind of seeing i mean we're definitely seeing a, a duality like you said of 
of centralization and decentralization and maybe it's a, a war of sorts do you believe that sharing our own story both the ups and downs can help others and if you think yes why yes absolutely so just sharing your story is enough for someone to feel related to you and mm -hmm. to see that you've gone through something that maybe they've gone through or you've worked through a problem they need a solution for i'm a firm believer in leading by example look up people who set a good example somebody who's open about their story lessons that they've learned sometimes that's just enough for me to feel like hey this person did it so i can too yeah the empowering part huh yeah when yeah, you can relate yeah. to someone and it's so beautiful to me to learn of different perspectives and upbringing and we all have different struggles and have similarities but they're unique to our own personal experience so seeing that somebody has had a completely unique upbringing i can just like sharing that story is it's inspiring inspiring to to share what do you value the most in web3 unity and security maybe unity is a vulnerable place to be in because you kind of um, let go of the i and become a, a community with others and there must be trust within that community security of web3 and the unity that that follows that you see i never heard anybody say that before i love that i never thought of it that way but i agree <laughs> thank you for that i i really it's a good one <laughs> i like it <laughs> and how would you explain web3 and the whole space of blockchain technology to those who had not dived into it yet blockchain and every sort of technology associated with it is the future exchange among humans it <laughs> i kind of go into how it's a spider web and spiders can weave the web and it forms this ecosystem that connects i think maybe the humans are the spiders in this mm -hmm. metaphor and each point where two lines meet is a node and that node is programmed by the spider yeah. to catch flies and do what it's <laughs> meant to do there's something lacking with the internet right now that mm -hmm. is not it's not accessible to everybody on the planet and so there there's some spiders that aren't on the web <laughs> which, <laughs> which inhibits all of us because mm -hmm. that way we you know we can't catch as many flies and then there's blockchain which to me is is separate than legacy web um i think of those as two different entities even the way that legacy web runs on my phone versus the way blockchain runs on my phone just the amount of power that it takes up because these two are separated so you think it's gonna be two systems run parallel well, or just for now just for now it, it is two systems that run parallel yeah that, that is how i see it and then the hypergraph comes along which weaves it together and is programmed by the human because it has a human inventor and human founders, human node operators, community of everyday people who just seem to be like-minded. So Web3, how I'd explain it to people, maybe I wouldn't go, <laughs> go into this level because I am talking to you. I would, I would say it, it's a natural evolution of the internet power grid. This almost sounds like AI, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if like what we're seeing now already is, is kind of like a rogue AI. You know, we have we have the internet and the deep web and I mean information war and maybe there is already an AI that has gone rogue because of Google and 
Facebook and these large corporations. Well, there are theories about that, you know. I don't want to <laughs> make uh, listeners get bored, but there is a theory about that, that that's exactly what happened. Kind of in a sci-fi way. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. It's an interesting for sure. I don't understand all of it. I'm just seeing the effects of it, you know, like I'm, the effects of, of advertising on, on these platforms is that we're bombarded with ads that have nothing to do with what we care about and we're bombarded with information that is fake and mm -hmm. it's like there's this rogue nature about the internet right now and hopefully web3 put put some security check on on businesses that play on the internet like we were talking about with lattice exchange and and releasing a token on lattice you have to you have to have these standards completed to validation and accuracy to be able to even show mm -hmm. your face to the public yeah and because people say that, you know, you know, that can get expensive, then you are not inclusive to all people before I have that <laughs> coming back to me. I want to say, yes, that's true. We need all that collateral to do that. That's a reason for it for, you know, so nobody gets scammed, right? But if somebody has such an idea, they can still make it happen. But how? And that's where the, I feel like the key is by getting the support of others because you can get on it if you get investors from all these people who already have DAG or Lattice and they're willing to put up their investment so you can create your vision. So that's how in a decentralized way visions yeah. can become reality even to those who cannot afford it but have a revolutionary idea. It's already very expensive because you know to have a DAG node you need like I don't know right now it's kind of on sale but like let's say $40,000. It's true, but if your idea is so revolutionary, people will support it and they will put up their investment so that your vision can become reality. So I wanted to add that because I want to know that they can be creative even if they cannot afford it financially. I felt that it was important because I don't see that in other places but Constellation. That's <laughs> I, amazing. That is what's very beautiful beautiful about web3 is the communities that show mm -hmm. up around nfts or coins that we all believe in <laughs> i know because it is inspiring it's like they're playing oh, yeah, with our heart yeah yeah <laughs> and, and that actually brings me to my next question which is why do you love constellation network i love constellation network because i feel like all my dreams are possible and i have friends it's like i feel like a group hug incoming <laughs> yeah Absolutely. A group hug. And even more than that, like when a crowd, like there's this video online of a crowd getting together and they do human building and all these humans climb on top of each other <laughs> and they get really, really high, like as high as a skyscraper. Mm -hmm. And it's just incredible to see what humans can build when we're holding each other up. And the trust. I mean, if I want to climb on someone, I might trust that they don't drop me. <laughs> And some yeah. may get hurt in the process, unfortunately. But the goal is to, if the goal is to be a hundred stories high, then we can make it happen. Because that's just the power of human nature. If it's within the scope of human nature, it is completely possible. Constellation allows infinite scalability that just unlocks a whole new superpower among humans. Technology allows our ideas to grow to infinity. There's no cap. To how big something can be. One, once one, even one person takes actions 
and can reach a goal, it's possible for everybody else to reach that same goal or even more. Yeah. I feel like that's the key in so many things that the action. So once one can do it, everybody else can do it because that one person who did it broke the barrier. I feel it's the same thing with, you know, when you have children and your first child is the one that you say, no, 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 you can't do that. And you are like really terrified of everything they do that they get hurt or, you know, whatever they eat and whatnot. But once you're second or third, <laughs> you know, whatever, uh, how many children you have that you born, you're much more loose with them because you have experience with the first one. So they, in a way, have first one already paved the way for them. And I feel that is true with everything, with business, even in sports, when you're thinking about it. I really don't like the word impossible. I really don't like it, my whole being, that word. Because when you say impossible, you literally limit people of even thinking what if <laughs> can yeah. happen. You just say it's impossible. And then people are like, okay, it's impossible. I'm just not even thinking about it. Is no such thing as impossible because think about sports, like when people run faster or can jump faster or, you know, anything. Like people said it was impossible until somebody broke that record. Right. Somebody broke that record, you bet that the next few years somebody else is going to break that record, even though the original record was impossible to break, yeah. as we say. So yeah. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, sitting in a, I'm sitting in a crowd listening to music and everybody's sitting down on their blankets like eating and drinking and well you look around and everybody's mm -hmm. sitting down okay and then you you think to yourself it's impossible to get this entire crowd to stand up in the mm -hmm. next song but then one person stands up and busts like a tiny move like it's a little move it's, mm -hmm. just, it's just a move somebody makes a move and then the next person makes an even bigger move and the next thing you know the entire crowd is up dancing data is truth and that there is no central figure to manipulate the data the only thing you will see and hear and find is truth and that's what all it matters doesn't matter if somebody likes it or doesn't like it it's there that's why i always tell people data is not evil data is just data yes, it's what data. you do with the data what makes it you know <laughs> good or bad oh. That's why we've been robbed. That's why we've been robbed because all this data, right, that they've been selling and distributing without our knowledge <laughs> becomes all of a sudden an asset to everyone. Like the DTM, the Constellation is, you know, the thermosensor, the door technologies, that right there is like amazing because we finally are in control of our data. I don't care if it's me going in and out of my bathroom. <laughs> but it's your data and you want to It's my it. damn data. And absolutely 100%. And Helium got that. When they put their slogan as the people's network, mm -hmm. they got that. You know, I, I find it so funny you mentioned that because I always think about it that, and people ask me, all right, all right, now you tell me all of this, I want to buy DAG. <laughs> what can I buy in Constellation, right? And then I said, I'm the best place right now to buy it is KuCoin because uh, the other one, the LCX, is very low liquidity. So you're probably better off buying it on KuCoin. And now you just mentioned that you like Helium because they are the people's <laughs> network. And what is KuCoin? The people's exchange. <laughs> and that's <laughs> the only place you can buy it from, really. So um, I find it interesting how it's all connected. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> 
<laughs> which actually I didn't even know that the, that KuCoin slogan was the People's Exchange. Yep. Is that yep. right? Yep. That's their slogan. I find so that just, very interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's just interesting how, you know, all these companies find each other. But, um, you know, <laughs> I like it. And I feel like that that's what people have to like broaden their view and understand that with Constellation, they're not for validating financial transactions or transactions in general. They are for validating indexing, basically, data. But data is all different kinds of data. It doesn't matter if it's a transaction. Transaction is one kind of data. But there are hundreds of thousands of different kinds of data that are out there. And what Constellation can do, they can validate every single type of data because, what you said, Constellation is agnostic. It. So it doesn't yes. matter what kind yes. of data it is. And that's why it is used. And that's why we say Web3. Web3 is not just a slogan. Web3 is going to be called eventually, hopefully, when people uh, wake up to the idea, going to be called HGTP. That's why a lot of people have on Twitter in their handle HGTP, <laughs> which is, <laughs> if you want to yeah. read out what it is, it's called the Hyper Graph transfer protocol and it's exactly. replaced, and it's, it's replacing iteration yeah and it's replacing the previous ones the https or the http and so i feel like once people put that in their head and understand that's when their point of view starts changing figuring out why this project is so valuable but that's just my opinion hopefully people will <laughs> hear it and understand it i agree since we're talking about constellation why <laughs> yes, why do you love Constellation Network? There is no one reason why I love Constellation Network. But if I had to give one reason, it would be scalability. There's no doubt. Ethereum looks like if you had five flashlights jammed into a headlight mechanism <laughs> of a vehicle, that's what Ethereum looks like. It's embarrassing the things they have come out with and tried to implement. It's not scalable. And so scalability has to be at the top. DAG is horizontally and vertically scalable. It's low energy, girlfriend. It's like you don't even need volcanoes. You need nothing <laughs> but maybe a sneeze. <laughs> sneeze would operate the network, okay? Yeah, it's like, you know, you mentioned the door traffic miner. And then people <laughs> always looking for things that are like energy efficient for climate change and all and then that that whole sensor needs to change its battery once a year yeah and, right. it, and it's a minor like it's a data miner so how else like what better you can possibly ask for energy efficiency wise for me ethereum is a curious thing because there are certain things but why i like ethereum because it gave a platform for creatives and people to start and even nfts they started out on ethereum i appreciate that i really do i just don't see a future for it but no but but i appreciate it somebody never ever ever heard of lettuce because most people have not what is it that you would how would you introduce lettuce to them what would you say what it is what i would say is lattice lattice is uh without lattice there is no financial interface to the blockchain asset class. But remember how we talked about data? I mean, you like embrace data. Mm -hmm. to, me, to me, you embrace data. You know that big tech, I don't care if it's Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Apple, it doesn't matter, Facebook, 
You can name a million things. They've been taking our data like they've been taking our DNA. Mm -hmm. And profiting from it. A hundred percent. Well, Lattice is about to fix all that. Lattice makes it so that you can log on, you can upload your information, your data, and everything becomes a node. So what you are saying is that if I have data about me, about my health, for example, in the future, because we know projects are building on Constellation that are about uh, health uh, and biometrics. <laughs> so you're telling me that the same way as I currently I don't, but like people wear either Apple Watch or Fitbit or whatever that collects all their information, Bullshit. their heartbeat yeah. and everything. And they, you know, they, they tell you a little bit about how you're doing and how you're sleeping, but they actually sell that data for companies and they profit yes. on, which I'm most so people don't know. So you're telling me that this collected data, the same way as they're collecting it yes. now, can be uploaded through lettuce and I yes. actually can monetize if I decide Ooh. to sell it. Ding, 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 ding. I hope people understand how this big is that what is. Jorgensen has been saying. He said, bingo. Like that is huge. And that is just biometrics. Think about when you go to the doctor and have your blood work down. Or this is just health. Think about when you drive your car. And you rem I remember... I think it was Allstate when I had Allstate insurance and it gave, gave us a little tracker in the car. And if I yes. drive in a that I get like discounts on my insurance, yeah. that thing, it wasn't because you get discount. It was because they were collecting the data that they were selling. <laughs> so imagine the same devices in the future. And then you plug that information into your little, uh, through uh, your computer or phone even, through Lattice Exchange, and you can profit from Oh data. my God. I'm going to drive my car up every fucking mud hell there is. <laughs> but that's what it is. That's what the door miner is. That's why you put it on. The, and that's why they came out with the door miner, I believe, because it's so simple. Yeah. Anybody can understand how you go in and out. You don't even need to have actual door. You just have to have a door frame. And when you go in and out under that door frame, it gets recorded. And the data, how many times somebody moved or went or did whatever in a store or in your home or you know it's data and you yeah. can profit from that data and then people come to me all right i buy the data money and i put it to my bathroom who cares about how many times i go into my bathroom and believe it or not they're gonna be a company who care about how many times you go to the bathroom why because maybe they sell something that you use in the bathroom what is your number one piece of advice you would give to your oh. younger self I would say let pain propel you to the next level rather than hinder progress. Hold yourself accountable. Do introspection. I think that what's super important is that we let any type of pain that we've had in the past propel us to a different level. That's me. Endured pain. I'm not going to lie. As a child, not going to define what that was. But even though I thought that it didn't hinder my progress. It absolutely did. Saddened to admit that. But regardless, I think the important thing is to hold yourself accountable. Not accountable for the actions of other people, but accountable for the actions of yourself. Remember, what's going on inside is way more important than what's going on 
outside. What really bothers me, we told our children that everybody is a winner. And I know I'm going to get a hit for this, but I do want children to feel that they are all perfect and they are all how they were meant to be and they all have their strengths. But everybody is a winner in their own unique way in certain things. That's how I see it. So when it's a race and mm. somebody runs and somebody wins that race, it's important for that someone who put the energy in to get better to feel that they are winners. And that is also important for someone to feel that they lost so they can work on it to get better. Yes. You know, like if, as long as we're, we're running the same race. Mm-hmm. Because we have strengths in different things. So when we tell our children in the school, everybody is a winner and nobody left behind, we take away that very fundamental, you know, movement from a child that they want to do better or they want to discover what they are better at and they want to do the race. And so they, they have that energy to move them forward. When we tell them that everybody is a winner and nobody gets behind, that is what takes that energy away and makes them lazy. And eventually they just stop thinking outside of the box altogether. I know it's a it's a weird way of putting it together, but I truly believe that with that mentality, we destroyed that fundamental energy in them. Yeah. And then they get it in childhood and then that's how they grow up. And then they're surprised when in life they cannot do what they were meant to do because we fundamentally killed that spark in them. And I really appreciate you bringing that up because my my like public education in elementary school was very impacted and and the whole experience was constructed by no child left behind. Mm-hmm. I remember the way that it impacted like state testing and, and just how much time was spent studying for standardized tests and really where areas of education slipped because of that. That was the mindset through all of my public education was mm-hmm. don't compete. We are all studying for a standard exam. And if somebody is, and we're all, I don't know, we're all going to win or it's yeah, kind of hard I, for me to put it in perspective. For, yeah, I have a really bad opinion of public education as it is. So <laughs> this just made it even stronger. I feel so very humbled after these conversations. I hope you all enjoyed it. I want to thank you for sharing your beautiful stories and insights with us today. I wanted to quote Audrey Hepburn, one of my favorite quotes from her. I think it's very fitting. I believe in being strong when everything seems to be going wrong. I believe that happy girls are the prettiest girls. I believe that tomorrow is another day. And I believe in miracles.